I remember clearly um, just when we started the whole discussion about adoption uh, as a family, uh, there were some of our friends and family members that were obviously just so supportive of the idea of, of adopting a little son uh, with our daughters at the age that they are and going you know, across the, the borders of, of racial differences. Um, but there was also people, close friends, close family members, that tried to talk us out of it. And there was obviously also people that, that opposed just this idea of adopting a little son. And obviously, as we are walking, we are getting the opposition, just wherever we go. And so when God builds, in the next four weeks, we're going to study just when God builds. There's two things that we need to realize. We need to realize, firstly and foremostly, all of us, doesn't matter where you are, we will have two things in common. There will be an attitude towards what God is trying to do, and there will be a positioning towards what God is doing. And so in this four weeks, we're going to focus on just God is building, and how does it look, and what is He busy doing, and how is it happening around us. And simultaneously, we're going to stop and just pause every time to say, well, what is happening in your life towards this truth? And how are you positioning yourself towards this truth? Do you understand what He wants to do in you and through you? And so tonight, I'm going to start off this sermon series with the topic, when God builds, it involves people. And you can open your Bibles with me. We're going to read from Nehemiah chapter 6. When God builds, it involves people. So let me just give you a quick, just oversight context into the scripture where we're going to start tonight. And so if you study the original Hebrew Bible, you will find that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah is one book in the Hebrew Bible. It was later on when it got translated, it was separated. But it's the same time frame, uh, and it gives an account. These two books gives an account of the fulfillment of God's promise to His people through the prophet Jeremiah. You can write it down, Jeremiah 29 verse 10, where Jeremiah prophesies over the people whilst being in exile. And he gives them this promise. God says, you will return back to your beloved country. After 17 years, 70 years in exile, you will return to rebuild Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah chapter 1, we find Nehemiah being a cupbearer in the, in the courts of the Persian king. He worked as a cupbearer for the Persian king. And so he receives this terrible message of the wall around Jerusalem, the state of the wall, the wall being in ruins. And so feeling and sensing the call from God to go back and rebuild, be the project leader to rebuild this wall. We see in chapter 2 how he approaches the king to ask the king for permission to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. And so chapters 3 and 4 and 5, we obviously see on his return, um, just him sharing his plans are met with mixed feelings. Those that are supportive, those that are sort of passive-aggressive towards this plan, and those that are totally opposing what he wants to do. And so we pick up chapter 6, verses 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul. Notice, in 52 days, 
The wall was finished in 52 days. Verse 16, And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. Father, we pray that as we just enter to a time of just studying your word, Holy Spirit, that you will minister to us, that you will reveal just the Father's truth in this moment to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. And so I can just imagine, just picture this quickly, what happens normally on a Sunday after church, Maybe this is not the age group to speak about this, but when I grew up, grew up, uh, it was buying the newspaper, reading the newspaper. You don't read the newspaper anymore on the paper. You go, phone, tablet, yes, okay, forgive me for my age. But I can just imagine the Jerusalem times with this heading, around Jerusalem in 52 days, or Nehemiah, the master builder. So they completed the building of this wall in 52 days, less than two months. It took them to return from exile to Jerusalem, two to three months. So just as long or longer than it took to finish the wall. Okay, so they were great builders. They finished the wall in 52 days. Why would this 52 days fill their enemies and the nations around them? with fear, and lead them to exclaim the following, this was done with the help of God. And so the answer to that question is found in the wall, the actual wall itself. No, it's not a paper that's in the wall, the physical wall itself. Listen to the specifications of this wall quickly. The wall was 4,018 meters long, so 4 kilometers, 12 meters high, 2.5 meters wide. There's a picture uh, coming of this wall. It had 34 watchtowers and 18 gates. Now, this is how the wall looks today. Here at the bottom, you'll see a man and his son walking just to, to give you an idea of the size of this wall. And so what will it take in the modern era what will it take a highly skilled construction company? Will they be able to rebuild this wall according to the specifications in 52 days? And so in our morning service, and I know there's a few in the evening service, we have quite a few people in the construction business. Two guys actually own their own construction companies. And I asked them, so I asked Louis DeBrain and Alan Reed, who is also a QS, tell me, is it possible... Today, in 2023, to build this wall in 52 days based on these specifications. And uh, their answer was the following. Let me just give you this quick rundown of info. This is what they said. Just looking at the quantities needed to build the wall. All right, quantities. The concrete. You needed 8,036 cubic meters of concrete. That means 1,340 deliveries. 1,340 deliveries of cement, ready mixed cement. If you had to do it in 52 days, you needed 26 deliveries per day for 52 days. The, the bricks they used. 
62,781 and 250 bricks. People laughed at me this morning when I said, just look at the number. 5,231 deliveries. 101 per day to have all the bricks there to be able to build it in 52 days. Sand, 37,668 cubic meters. That is 7,533 deliveries. 144 per day for 52 days. And then the last one, the cement, obviously, 188, 343 bags of cement times 50, which was based on 50 kilogram bags, 590 deliveries, 11 per day. That's what it will take in 2023 to build this wall. An average bricklayer team will take approximately 8,300 and 70 days to build the wall in 2023. That is 22 years. 22 years. Average bricklayer team. All right, and so obviously they gave me this info and I pushed back and I said, yes, but I want to know, if we want to do it in 52 days, what will it take? And the response was the following. 1,609 bricklayers, 3,218 laborers, 134 supervisors working nonstop without taking lunch, without sleeping for 52 days, constantly just building. This is keeping in mind that none of the deliveries can be missed. And there's always small print. This will be to only complete the wall, not the 34 watchtowers and the eight gates. This is mind-blowing to think that this people did it in 52 days. No, I mean, it is understandable why people will be filled with fear if you are not on God's side. You see, they somehow believed or perceived that God left Israel. And that is why Babylon conquered them and conquered the land and took them out of exile. Their God left them. And so the number of days it took to rebuild this wall told them and proved to them that God is with them. And this is why they exclaimed, this can only be done with the help of God. And so here's the first thing that we see just from this picture about God. There is no such thing as the impossible in the presence of God. Impossible does not exist in the presence of God. Is He present in your relationships? Is He present in your relationships tonight? Because if He is, the impossible does not exist. Whatever you are trusting Him for is possible because of whom He is. Is He present in just your future, your fears, your struggles, maybe the things that keep you back in life, those, those rocks that, that keep you tied down, your addictions? Is He present in your life? Because in Him, there is no such thing as impossible. This God, Isaiah writes the following, Isaiah 40, he says, God holds the water, the total content of water on planet earth 
in the palm of his hand. He spreads out the stars like a curtain. This God, in his presence, there is no such thing as impossible. You know what is even more amazing than all of this, which is amazing? As that he involves us, people, in his building plan. He can do whatever he wants to do, but yet he chooses to do it through us. And so back to that question, what is your attitude and your positioning tonight towards God's building plan? In this passage, and we're going to look at it now, we see three types of groups, three groups being identified, three groups, those that are fully involved, building with God, those that are passive, in some instances aggressive, and then those that are actively opposing what God wants to do. Actively opposing what God wants to do. So we're going to look at the first one, those who build with God. In Nehemiah chapter 3, you will see there's a list of names of all the people that were part of the building team. Each mentioned by name. Amazing to think that God affirmed them and honored them by placing their names in His Word. What struck me when I read through chapter 3 is the following. Go and look at the occupations some of these people held. There were priests, temple servants. There were perfume makers, goldsmiths, rulers, even the high priest himself. And so the first thing that we need to understand, this was not a qualified, highly skilled, brick-laying construction team. They were ordinary people with ordinary jobs. And yet, their gender, their age, their occupation, their social, social status did not influence them being part of what God did in history. If at all, there were many of these people who could say, I'm not skilled enough, or I've actually I've got something else to do than to build, but yet we see their hearts were totally aligned with God's building plan. What is your position and your attitude tonight towards what God is doing in your life and what He wants to do through your life? As we sit here, we are from different places in the week, campus, work, corporate world, wherever God has placed you. What is your attitude and your positioning towards what He is busy doing in that environment where He's placed you? Their hearts were totally aligned. And so we see the second group, the opposite was true. The noble ones, the noble Jews. Scripture says the following about the noble Jews, verse 17 Chapter 6, moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah, these are Jews themselves. These are people that live in Jerusalem. They are part of the chosen people. In those days, the, noble Jew, um, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and we'll read a bit about him now. And so they, these nobles, had trade agreements in place with Tobiah, an Ammonite. And so the, the wall, the rebuilding of the wall would have interfered with their plans because their trade agreements, there was no way that authorities could regulate these agreements because of the wall being in ruins. People could enter 
and exit the city without any restrictions, without anybody monitoring what is happening. And so the building of the wall did not benefit them. They, uh, they became very passive. They wanted to stay in Jerusalem. They wanted to enjoy the fullness of the city, but on their terms. Jesus, yes, Jesus is part of my package. I mention on my CV that I'm a Christian. I like to, to take my children to a Christian school. Or when I walk around on campus, you know, uh, I like to, to mention when asked, when somebody comes to me with a God test, yes, yes, I'm a Christian. But is it on your terms? Is he fitting into your plans? Or are you wholeheartedly aligned with his plan? See, just in this environment where we stay, if we look at Europe, Everything is working in Europe. There's no need for anything. And these nobles, they became very passive towards the building of the wall. Why? They were rich. They did not need anything. And what they lacked, they could buy. Same thing we see in Europe. The same thing we see starting to happen in South Africa. Why do we need Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah for my kids and, and to say my kids are in a Christian school and to put on my CV. But if we take that box just for a moment out of your life, how will it influence you personally? How will it influence you personally? And the third group we're seeing is those who oppose God's building plan. Nehemiah 4, chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall. He was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. Listen to what he's saying. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Can you see the pride? What are these feeble people doing that wants to go and walk on campus and tell people, about Jesus. From a prideful place, he speaks down on the Jews. Verses 3, to be the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Can you see the pride? And so why is it that these enemies were so against the rebuilding of the wall? Because the rebuilding of the wall brought security, obviously. It's put in place again trade. Trade could be regulated. And so the people could start building the economy again. And so the enemies did not want to see this happen. And that's why they opposed the building of the wall. And even, you'll see studying this, just this book, even tried to kill Nehemiah. Because it was definitely not to their benefit that this wall was being rebuilt and then in chapter 6 finished. Chapter 6, verse 16, it says the following, And when all the enemies heard of it, these two guys and the nobles, all the nations around us were afraid. And listen to this. They were prideful, these feeble Jews. A fox will break down this wall. When the wall was finished, they fell greatly 
in their own steam. Sanballat and Tobias' pride disappeared in the presence of God. When you align with God's building plan, He fights on your behalf. And the pride of those that are opposing you will disappear in His presence. Have you ever had this desire to build something or to accomplish something or to do something that is, that is worthwhile and you were opposed? God is busy building. And so the question again is what is your attitude tonight and your positioning towards what He is busy doing? In which of those categories, if Jesus was standing here tonight, would he put you? I can tell you who those people are that are supporting us and walking with us the road of, of raising a little, a little boy in our home, of adopting. I can also tell you who those people were that tried to talk us out of it. And I can definitely mention by name those who are opposing us. And so where would Jesus place you tonight? Because here's the thing. From creation, God's intention was to create mankind, to resemble Him, and to worship Him. And that plan has not changed. God is forcefully advancing His kingdom through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God was established. All authority in heaven and on earth was given back to Jesus. And so we are not waiting for the kingdom to come. The kingdom has been established. And it is forcefully advancing through those that are aligning themselves with God. And so his desire is to see in this kingdom people that will resemble him and that will worship him into eternity. I want to end off with this question. Three questions tonight. God is busy building, and His building plan involves people. Are you fully invested and involved in His building plan? I'm not saying quit your job and come and go into missions full time. I'm asking, are you fully involved and fully committed? to what He has called you to do, to align with what He is busy building? Or are you more concerned with your own interest, wanting Him to get involved with your plans? And so on the first one, I think it's, we sometimes rush into it and we say, yes, yes, I'm fully involved. I'm fully invested. But here's the thing. I remember in 2000, no, not in 2000, in 1996, out of school, I went into youth ministry and I ministered among sports people. And one evening, a very influential person in my life was visiting him and we were sitting around his, his dining table and he asked me the following question, Donnie, what do you want to do with your life? And I looked at him and I said, well, what I'm busy doing. It gives me no greater joy to see when Jesus stepped into somebody's life and called them out of the grave. and See how just the whole being changes. 
And this person sat back and said, Donnie, chill. You've got no ambition in life. And I want to tell you tonight that I stuck it out and I, I remained in ministry. But I didn't. I started studying, started working. I did well for myself. Because I was not fully involved and invested. And I opened up my spirit for those people that wanted to oppose what God wanted to do in and through my life. And in 2000, married, God called Susanna and I back into ministry. I remember the day that I went to the company and resigned. A mentor of mine sat opposite me on the table opposite me. A guy that spoke into my life that really taught me a lot about business. And his words the following. It's sad to hear that you're throwing away so much talent. And again, I want to say to you that I stuck it out, but I didn't. Two years into ministry, I was back into the corporate world, busy climbing the ladder. Remember, there was a time in this environment, serving Jesus, loving Jesus, where somebody turned to me in this environment, said to me one day, I never knew that you were a Christian. I got so involved in building my own kingdom. And Jesus became part of my plans. 2020, he called me back. Don't wait 47 years to align your attitude and your position with what he wants to do in and through your life. What is your position tonight? God is still building. And He's building in your life. And He wants to build through your life. Ordinary men and women whose hearts were totally aligned with the living King took 52 days to build what is impossible for a construction company. Because their hearts were aligned with the King of Kings. Just imagine what the church of God globally can do if our hearts are aligned with the King of Kings. What we can achieve in a, this world, a broken world, if our hearts are aligned with Him. Just imagine what this church, what you and we can do if our hearts are aligned and our positioning is aligned with Him, what we can do in this city. It took 12 apostles to fill Jerusalem with the gospel. There's more than a hundred of us sitting here tonight. A city where we will not see orphans walking around anymore. We will not see homeless people walking around anymore. We will not see broken relationships anymore. We will not see poverty anymore. And as I'm saying it, I see the doubt. In the presence of God, impossible does not exist. But it takes a people to align their hearts with His call. What is your attitude and your position tonight? I'm just going to give some time for you just to respond to this word. Holy Spirit, I pray that 
that you will search our hearts now and that you will minister to us.